0: In this episode, we're talking about how to launch even when you're scared. This is Mega Maker, episode 13. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the show. Justin Jackson here. Last time we were together, I was telling you about how scared and anxious and fearful I was to launch this weird project I've been working on. And the weird project, you can see it at megamaker.co slash secret, and it sounds ridiculous to say it, but it's a secret maker's society. It's basically a grown-up version of those secret clubs you had when you were a kid, and the idea is I'm going to send people a maker mission every week, a small creative project that will inspire people, kind of give them a creative coffee break, if you will. But I was scared to launch this thing because it's unusual. It's weird. And even though I've been preaching the gospel here of how we need to get more weird, we need to build more weird things, I, when it actually came time to putting this out into the world... I felt maybe a little embarrassed. And so I told you folks that I would report back on how it went because I was opening up 10 beta spots. This isn't a free thing either. This is a paid thing that I've made. It's $100 for the year during the beta. It'll be $156 when we actually launch it. And so I said, okay, I'm going to do this, and then I'll let you know how it goes. So I remember publishing that episode. And my idea originally was I was going to publish that episode and then send an email to the Mega Maker list, which is about 2,500 people, I think. But by the time I'd published the episode and, you know, put everything live for the Secret Maker Society, I was exhausted. It was like one in the morning. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to go to sleep. And then when I wake up in the morning... I will email the list and I assumed that if I got any sales at all, it would come from the email list. Well, I went to bed and at probably yeah one thirty two in the morning, woke up at about eight and I'd already sold five spots just from people listening to the podcast between two AM and eight AM. I was like, okay, well, if I've already sold five spots, maybe I'll just let this ride a little bit because now I had real people who had paid me for my thing and I wanted to reach out to them personally. I wanted to email them and ask them, you know, how they got signed up, why they signed up, wanted to get more information. And I was enjoying this kind of slow ramp up. And so I just didn't email the list. And then more people signed up. And as it stands right now, I think I have maybe two beta spots left, and I haven't emailed anybody. I haven't really talked about it except for that one episode of the podcast. So overall, I would say I feel relieved. I feel excited because now there's real people using this thing that I've made, and I still have a lot of work ahead of me. I need to build a lot more things for this group, and we need to basically get their feedback and see how they feel, what they were looking for, why they joined. But it's interesting. Now, after you've launched, if people respond somewhat favorably, it does make you feel good. And of course, I would be feeling different if people were very negative uh, about the launch, like if no one had signed up. But I thought this episode, I would take you through why I think this worked for me. But like we talked about in episode nine, I wanna be careful about how I present this. And what that advice typically looks like is here are the steps to success, or here are the steps I followed to achieve my success. And on one hand, this is helpful, because if you're starting from nothing, it's helpful to know where should you start first? What can you try first? But on the other hand, it can be extremely unhelpful and even toxic because there's this underlying promise that if you follow these steps, you will also be successful. So I want to be careful about promising anything, that if you do anything I talk about, that you will have any sort of success, because I don't know. If anything, I want to reiterate what we talked about last episode, episode 12, where I quoted Kevin Kelly. And the problem that people often have with success is they're often trying to imitate another one. Technology allows us to escape that and to more likely find a unique path. So whatever I say today will be a combination of probably timeless principles, things that are true no matter who you are, and that'll be mixed together with this unique combination of what makes me unique. And those are things you definitely don't want to replicate because you are your own unique person and you need to pursue your own unique form of success. But I'm going to share a lot of points I made in a recent talk I gave in Kelowna, and you can get these slides at megamaker.co slash 13. Those are the show notes for this episode. The first thing is to start with people. So a lot of people want to start with an idea. They want to start with a brainstorm. They want to start, you know, with some sort of technology or some sort of technique, some sort of material if you're making physical products. And I say don't start with an idea, start with people. And the reason is it's people that are going to be purchasing your thing. And if you don't know what they want, if you're just guessing, there's a greater likelihood that your launch is going to fail. So meet people where they're at. Observe them. If you're building something for a business, you want to observe what's their biggest pain point. What are they thinking about every single day? And sometimes this means drilling down to individuals in the company. For example, if you are the CEO, you're probably thinking a lot about sales and overall revenue. If you are the marketing manager, you're probably thinking a lot about how many leads you're getting. If you're a software developer, you're probably thinking about how many features you're shipping. If you're targeting individual consumers or individual people... You probably want to tap into what they desire. And often with people, it's, you know, they desire relaxation, they desire entertainment, they desire to look good in front of their friends, they desire, you know, meaning and purpose in their life. These are all the things you want to look for while you're hanging out with your group of people, that audience that you're targeting. And this is the step that everyone wants to skip. Everyone wants to go straight to ideas or straight to building things. We're makers after all. But my second step is to build something people want. And you can't do that unless you're hanging out with them every single day and you're actually observing what they want. The comment I made in the presentation is that you can't throw good marketing after a bad product. Like people think bad product means like bad design or bad code or bad. that's not, to me that's not bad product. I think you can have actually bad design and bad code and still have a great product. A good product is something that really connects with people. It's, it actually fulfills a genuine need. That's a good product. And so if you have something that people just kind of want, you know, it's like, uh, I always tell people that if you're sharing an idea, and people say, oh, that's interesting. It's like the kiss of death for products. What you want to hear is like, holy shit, like I will give you my money right now. Like that hair on fire, like as if you had a bucket of water and you're like, do you need this bucket of water and their hair's on fire, they're like, yes! Like, you know, that's the kind of response you want, like, so just like, oh, like they, they want it so badly that they'll take out their wallet and pay you on the spot if they could, right? The next thing I recommend is the first day you start building your product, you should do two things. Set up a landing page with an email sign-up form, and number two, start building your thing. And I always regret this if I don't do this. The point is, is that you want to start sharing your journey with people Right away. You want to start building anticipation for the eventual launch of your thing in the future. And the way to do that is to collect email addresses from people that are interested in that thing. Have you noticed they always put paper on the windows when they're building a new retail store or whatever? And I always I always like I don't understand that. Because everyone wants to peek inside and see what's going on. Why are they hiding the journey of them making the store. Like, that's what I want to see. I want to get invested in what they're doing. That's the part I want to see. It's like uh, cooking shows. They don't just, like, say, here's a cake. Like, people like they want to see the process of building, of making the cake. They want to see, like, they want to see the chef make it. That's the exciting part. And then it's almost like giving them the cake is, like, the it's, like, a, it's okay, but the, the best part was seeing them build it. Most customers want to hear your journey, and most makers don't want to share it. And I think it's your most valuable asset. It gets people invested in that thing that you're doing. Plus, when it does come to launch day, you won't have to ask yourself, uh, who am I launching this to? You'll have a list of 5, 10, 100, or thousands of people that have been following your journey and are invested in what you're doing. And you can share your journey all sorts of different ways. You can do it via email, like I recommended, send people weekly or monthly updates. You can do it by blogging, podcasting, vlogging, tweeting screenshots or tweeting you know works in progress. All of these things are a good idea. And I think people underestimate how much they need to share. Like if you tweet something out, that's like putting something in a rushing river. You put it in and it's gone. People need multiple exposures to even know that you're working on something. So don't miss that opportunity. Share as much as you can. Now, before you launch, you're going to want to do a few things. First of all, you're going to want to build that email list. You're going to want to put together some sort of street team, you know, friends of yours and influencers that can help you get the word out when you launch. You're going to want to have some sort of analytics installed on your website. Even if you just go with something as simple as Gumroad, which has analytics built in that is going to show you, you know, where your sales are coming from, how many sales you made, et cetera. And you're going to want to write some pre-launch emails. So one month before launch, I write an email, say, listen, this is going to happen in about a month. Then seven days before the launch, I give people an exact day or time when the launch is going to happen. Then a day before the launch, I communicate all the details, say this is happening tomorrow, this is how much it's going to cost, here's the, you know, the different options, here's what it looks like, here's what some beta testers have said. And then the day of, I email in the morning and I might even email again that day or the next day when the launch discount expires. And having a launch discount First of all, incentivizes people to buy right now, and also having it expire incentivizes people to get it right now instead of waiting. Then on launch day, you want to do this checklist here. First, you want to send an email to your email list with a special discount code. You want to send out an announcement on social media. You want to send out a message to your street team with a pre-populated tweet. Ask them to share your launch with their friends. And you probably want to send an announcement to appropriate media sites too. That's basically it. That's how I would do like a full on launch. Now, this one I just did, beta launch, much smaller, stakes are lower. And I would, I would recommend that approach too. Before doing a full launch, do a small little beta launch. Get some of those early jitters out of the way. Don't like try to hit a home run right away. Just try to hit a nice bunt or a nice line drive. And um, it'll help you understand the things you should be doing when it comes time to do the official launch. All right, that's probably enough stuff for this episode. I realized that was a lot. If you need the notes, megamaker.co slash 13. If you made it this far, I'd love to hear from you. Tweet me, M-I-Justin. That's the letter M, the letter I, Justin, on Twitter. And say, hey, I'm listening to the show, and this is where I'm from. This is what I thought. Love getting those tweets. This theme music you're hearing right now is by my buddies in this band called Striker, striker striker-metal.com. Please go support them. And talking about bands, I want to run a new maker experiment, and this is it. I've set up a fake band called Higher Than Hobbits, higherthanhobbits.com, and I want to make it the world's first open source band. So if you're a musician or you are in a band and you want to contribute some music and have it go out in this big, crazy project, basically, I just want you to interpret what you think Higher Than Hobbits sounds like. So you can submit your song by going to megamaker.co slash hobbits. (laughs) That'll be fun. This podcast is hosted on simplecast.fm. Thanks to them. And I will see you on Wednesday. Hey, what did you just say? There's a creepy old man trying to make life hacks. <laughs> Where? He calls them life hacks. <laughs> but what he, Like, he's on, the, like, YouTube? No! No life hacks. <laughs> oh, you mean... How do I know him? Yeah. <laughs> it's on the news. <laughs> and on the news it said, here's a creepy old man doing life hacks? <laughs> no. Um... We uh, thought of life hacks before, so we searched up life hacks, and there's like uh, latest news for life hacks is like this old man going around in New York trying to make life hacks. <laughs> you guys thought you invented the word life hacks? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh!